Welcome to Indisputable. I am Sharon Reed, once again, filling in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie. He will be back soon. And because, you know, we think it's a dynamic duo, I hope you agree, Ravana. <laughs> Extraordinary commentator, uh, Rebel HQ. Um, you are someone, and can we mention the law? Is it okay to mention the law? You're someone I lean on to explain things, to kind of get things all the way together. So I just love being on with you, as you know, and I love, welcome you. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm having a wonderful day. I got to start my day yeah. on the damage report with Francesca, <laughs> and now I get to be yeah. on with you, two of my favorite women. So this is just a wonderful Monday, wonderful way to start my week. Yeah, I agree, and I love Francesca too. Um, girl power, woman power. Uh, we'll begin, Ravana, with, uh, well, this is a disturbing story, and I don't know that it's gotten enough attention. 215 bodies found in an unmarked graves uh, at uh, Mississippi jail. 215 bodies found in unmarked graves, Mississippi jail. Some 215 bodies have been found in a pauper cemetery behind a prison in Hines County, Mississippi. The gravesite is intended for people who have no known family, but relatives of the deceased say officials failed to contact next of kin, despite some of the deceased having identification. See the markers there. Civil rights attorney Ben Crump is representing the families of Mario Moore, Dexter Wade, and Jonathan Hankins, who were all buried in the cemetery without knowledge of their families. The men's mothers are pictured on the right. Mario Moore's family would discover authorities had buried him months ago in the pauper's field after he was found slain on the street early February 2023. His body buried in July. His family says they didn't learn of his death until early October when they saw Moore's name in a list published by CNN affiliate WLBT, 24 homicide victims whose identities had not been publicly disclosed by the Jackson Police Department. Wade was hit and killed by a police vehicle. And although the victim had an identification, Wade's family has not been notified of his death. His family thought Wade was missing until they recently learned he was buried, identified by only a number in the Pauper Cemetery, again, just outside of Jackson. Jonathan Hawkins' mother, Gretchen, telling Fox affiliate WBLT, it's like they just threw him out like trash just like they did with the others. Hankins was reported missing by his mother when he didn't return home one weekend in May 2022. After more than a year of his mother working with the Rankin County Sheriff's Office and searching, it would be NBC News who would solve the mystery as part of an investigation into people being buried in the Hines County Pauper's Field. Jonathan had been found dead on May 23rd, 2022, three days after leaving home in a hotel room in nearby Jackson. Investigators quickly verified his identity, but the Hines County Coroner's Office and the Jackson Police Department, which both responded to the scene, failed to tell his family. The county buried him in a grave marked only by a number, 645. Yet NBC News with the details. Activist Arthur Reed, who works with Crump, recently visited the gravesite where the deceased, who were in body bags, were placed into shallow graves. Reed telling Fox 26 in an interview, the stench from the bodies are drawing buzzards. Reverend Hosea Hines, pastor of the 
Christ Tabernacle Church and the national leader for a New Day Coalition of Equity and Black America spoke to the Chicago Crusader. Quote, really saddens my heart to know that their relatives went that long, some over a year, not knowing if their loved ones were dead or alive, and then coming to the realization that they had been buried in a pauper's grave behind a jailhouse. According to Hines, Jackson Police Chief Joseph Wade has implemented a new death notification policy that will provide relatives with a notification and details about their loved ones' deaths. We're gonna talk more about that ridiculous statement. Did you, did you hear that? We've got to talk more about it and we will. People all across America are scratching their heads in disbelief about what's happening in Jackson, Mississippi with this pauper's graveyard, Crump said during a press conference. Went from talking about the water that was non-existent or contaminated to now we're talking about the graveyard. What is going on in Jackson, Mississippi? Black Enterprise with Mr. Crump's appropriate statement. Rivana, I just want to have a decent day. But then so do these mothers, so do these families. It's an abomination. And I want to go back to what the Jackson police chief, Joseph Wade, said. Does he think we're stupid? Or does he just think that the people are poor and there's nothing they can do about it? We ask because who says something dumb like this? That is the word for it. Chief Wade has implemented a new death notification policy that will provide relatives with a notification and details about their loved one's deaths. This is clown-like. There is a notification policy, as if you need one. I need to know why these individuals, one killed by a police cruiser, were dumped in shallow graves now attracting buzzards and nobody said a word until NBC notified them really by accident. Your turn. Yeah, when I read that and then just, and I, I read it before and then to hear you read it again out loud, both times my jaw dropped. The statement from the police chief is patently absurd. You have the responsibility to do that. Legally, you are obligated to do that. <laughs> Already, so the idea that there needed to be a new policy put in place for them to notify the families about the, their loved one's deaths is absurd. And you're right, he thinks that the people hearing it are stupid. He thinks that they're stupid, and if and he must be stupid if he thinks that that's going to work. It's a ridiculous, ridiculous statement. I will say that Ben Crump being on the case is the best thing that could happen yeah. for the families of these victims. He is an excellent attorney, tireless advocate, and uh, you know somebody I look up to in the uh, legal field and in the field of civil rights. Um, there is a conversation that needs to be had about the fact that a woman in Ohio is being prosecuted for uh, desecrating mm. a corpse mm. for having a miscarriage, and yeah. these police. In one case, they killed one of these people. They killed him and they threw him in a shallow grave 
behind the jailhouse. They found these dead bodies. The families for some of these victims were actively searching for them. And with apparently, (laughs) and and it's the fact that they they were identified. Mm -hmm. Some of these people died with their IDs in their pockets. They were identified by the police. They threw them in a shallow grave. And when the families came looking for them, they acted ignorant. They yep. played ignorant like they had no idea what was going on. But I th- I think it is a testament to the tireless work of also journalists mm-hmm. for uncovering this at a time where journalism is under attack in this country. Um, journalists are being laid off in massive numbers from uh, the networks and for the organizations that they work for. But without journalists, these families still wouldn't know what happened to their loved ones. The police weren't gonna help them. The police were the ones that did it. So, you know, so many things to talk about here, but I still, I'll never be able to get over that statement from the police chief. Despicable, despicable. Raise your hand if you're human, okay? Uh, This is so ignorant. Nobody, I didn't want nobody in that department to raise your hand, by the way. This is pathetic, grieving, crying, desperate mothers. This is a crime. I want to know more about the police cruiser incident that killed Mr. Wade. Mm-hmm. I'm sure his family does. So we're not going to let go of the story. And as you mentioned, neither will Ben Crump. He will, I can say with assurance, get the family's compensation. But I want charges. 215 bodies, tip of the iceberg, these details. We'll continue to follow it right here on Indisputable. Do not raise your hand. Do not raise your hand. We'll move on to this next one. Trump on Iowa shooting. We have to get over it. There's a lot of things we wish we could get over in this country. Unfortunately, one of them keeps crisscrossing the country. Answering the charges, all those indictments, and spouting off. After a 17-year-old student at Perry High School in Iowa fatally shot a sixth grader and wounded four other students and a school administrator Thursday for apparently taking his own life, Trump had this to say the day after the shooting. Before going further, I want to send our support and our deepest sympathies to the victims and families touched by the terrible school shooting yesterday in Perry. Iowa. To the entire community, we love you, we pray for you, and we ask God to heal and comfort really the whole the whole state and the pain, the pain that you have. This is something that's very unique to your state. Uh, we're really with you uh, as much as anybody can be. It's a very terrible thing that happened, and uh, it's just horrible to see that happening. That's just horrible. So surprising to see it here. But uh, have to get over it. We have to move forward. We have to move forward. But to the relatives and to all of the people that are so devastated right now, to a point they can't breathe, they can't live. Uh, we are with you all the way. We're with you and we love you and cherish you. You're not with them. You don't love them and you don't cherish them. That's just what I could tell from the statement. You've instructed them several times, get over it. Um, but it's not going to happen, by the way, ever. You'd know that if you sat with, say, I don't know, families of Sandy Hook. Victims, maybe you'd understand that they'll never get over it. 
Now NBC News has learned that Dylan Butler, the Iowa gunman who opened fire last week, appeared to have an active account on the chat platform Discord, where he previously discussed school shootings and described gearing up moments before Thursday's attack. Butler had killed 11-year-old sixth grader Amir Joliff, injured four other students and three staff members, including Principal Dan Marburger, before he died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Police also stated, just looking at the pictures. Police also stated an improvised explosive device was found at the scene. How much longer does this have to continue? We can't get over it. We better not get over it because it just keeps happening. Maybe we were that callous. We can't get over it. As NBC News notes in the minutes leading up to the shooting, Butler had posted TikTok video to an account with the username Talk Too Much, what appeared to be a school bathroom. The Discord account that appeared to be posting about the shooting used the name Talk Too Much. A Discord spokesperson confirmed to NBC News that the company believes that took too much screen name belonged to Butler. NBC News viewed screenshots of a series of messages from the account to a group of online friends on Discord saying the user was at the school and ready, quote, for what's to come. Ten minutes later, the user wrote, I'm effing nervous. I'm the bathroom, gearing up. The account also used a racial slur, writing two minutes later, there's an N in the bathroom, need him to leave so I can assemble my guns. Discord spokesperson did not respond when asked about those messages. The spokesperson said Discord had taken action against accounts and content believed I belonged to the suspect. Good to know, now that people are dead. I'm glad you took action, okay, now that NBC News has reported on things. I'm glad you took action. The user, Took too much was also part of a chat room dedicated to discussing school shootings called school massacres discussion. I mean, school massacres discussion. This was not something that needed to be decoded, translated. It says that school massacres discussion, according to a Discord user who saw the user in the chat. Person said they did not know Butler personally. NBC News is not revealing their identity because they are a minor. Discord user said they had flagged the chat room to the FBI in November, after which an FBI agent reached out over email and asked for more information. The user emailed the FBI agent screenshots of the server, but didn't hear back. User said their report to the FBI did not include Mention of the user took too much. Chat room was closed before the shooting. The FBI declined to comment. Somebody needs to comment. You better, you better, you better comment. We need to know now. Discord has previously been used by a mass shooter. 2022, the convicted shooter in the Buffalo, New York, tops market attack used Discord before the shooting. To discuss combat gear and make what appeared to be a to-do list for the shooting. December, Discord and police said a 13-year-old was stopped from committing an attack on a synagogue after Discord reported his online activities to authorities. 
So I hope you're not indicating that you're a hero in that case. Because you could have perhaps done the same in this one, right? If you would have reported it, perhaps people would be going home to their loved ones today, okay? So there's a lot of detail here from again, Rivana, the media. FBI declined to, you don't have the right to decline to comment here, okay? We need to know everything. Mm-hmm. And Discord? Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely shameful, especially, you know, Discord is something I use every day. It's a great place to bring people together. TYT has a wonderful Discord that everyone watching should join. You can talk to fellow members of the community. But but they need to be strictly enforcing the rules that they have in place because the fact that someone was able to create a surfer with that name and just carry on honoring school shootings, celebrating school shootings and planning and discussing their intentions to carry one out and they says that they say it was shut down but it took a long time. It took mm. someone from within the group to contact the FBI about wow. it before any action was taken. Yeah. And apparently the FBI didn't evaluate the credible threats being made there. But I mean, at every step of the way, I'm seeing this as conservatives are gonna say, we don't need to ban guns, we need to ban discord. Yeah. That's gonna be their next line. Mm-hmm. Because it's, you know, it was, we don't need to ban guns, we need to put armored guards at all of our schools. We need to build mousetrap-esque <laughs> booby Uh traps inside of our schools to trap school shooters because they can't get to the heart of the issue, which is that these people are able to with ease get their hands on killing machines and use them for the purpose which those guns were created for. And we as a society have to just accept and move on when somebody (laughs) is brutally shot down, groups of people are killed, children are killed. We're just supposed to do what Trump says and move on. We can't move on because the Republicans and some Democrats are not willing to come to the table and tackle the real issue here, guns. It's at the, (laughs) there's one thing in common with all of these school shootings. It's not platform they use to plan it on. It's the guns they use to kill the people. It's that's, it's, so simple, but so frustrating because of how entrenched the gun lobby is with our politicians and the gun culture that exists in this country. And it's sad that how many how many kids have to die before people are willing to say this is enough? How many school shootings do we have to suffer through? How many parents send their kids off to school on the bus who will never see them come home ever again have to suffer before people finally say this is enough, before our elected officials say no more death. It's pathetic. Yeah, it is pathetic. And I don't know that they have a number in mind. You asked an incredible question. They don't have a number in mind. They haven't thought that far. And when they start putting those mousetraps in the Capitol, okay, okay, to keep insurrectionists and things out and come see about me, okay? Don't ban any drugs, by the way, that kill. It's by the same, okay, right? The guns don't kill the people, huh? Don't follow the same logic. But again, it's the hypocrisy. It's not gonna be gotten over one day. I look forward to a day where the people rise up, not an insurrection kind of way, 
but say you're not going to do anything to stop this problem, you're out of here. You're out of here. And maybe somebody else who had to see the problem and others up close will run for Congress. We'll get into that. Much more indisputable. Ravana joins us today, pulling double duty. She's uh, the VIP of the network today. <laughs> and I, I nominate you, and I don't know, the team will tell me if we have anything where we can nominate someone oh. for employee of the day, the month. <laughs> I'd nominate you for both and earned it. Okay. They're, they're getting the information to me. If not, we, we can ask Dr. Ritchie if we can perhaps, he could spearhead <laughs> something, but I think you deserve it. Thank Much you. more. You're welcome, Ravana. Indisputable when we come right back. Welcome back to Indisputable. I am Sharon Reed and for Dr. Richie today, Ravana is back. So we're kind of doing this thing together. Our special guest co-host today, Ravana has been um, all over the network today and we appreciate her contributions. In fact, uh, let's get some of your comments now. TYT member Lynn is very appreciative of us being together here, okay? And she's named it a Sharvana Monday. Yeah. Do we need to trademark that? And of course, Lynn gets a piece of it because I think this could be a thing about Trump on the Iowa shooting saying, we have to get over it. I'll reset it. Kyle CH says, we already know Trump refers to himself in the third person. Maybe when he said, we love you, he was referring to himself in the second person. Perhaps he loves talking about how much his supporters love him. Yeah. When he should have been focusing on people who need real action and real leadership and their loved ones are gone. Next CYT reporter says, I'm not a cop, never worked in law enforcement except security work. Even I know you put undercover detectives in a Facebook group for mass shootings. Again, the FBI was notified of this. And well, at least the one person who was part of the group who turned in the information to the Bureau said they never got back to them again. YouTube now. About the 215 bodies found in unmarked graves at a Mississippi jail. Gingerbread says, this is a disgraceful situation. Doubt there will be any accountability, shameful. There's Mississippi and I guess they're gonna do it their way in Jackson. Well, Ben Crump is coming to town and he'll bring back up too. Justin King says, imagine losing something and the person that stole it helps you look for it. I feel the same way. Again, what Ravana said, the family's Went looking for loved ones, reported them missing, saying, what's going on here? They knew, and they just let it linger. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're going to feel free. Back off. I'm going to tell there's an African-American man threatening my life. I'm sorry, I can't. We're closed. I need my phone fixed today. I can't. We're closed. We, like, I don't have enough time. I can't go without my phone. How much you want? I'll pay you whatever you want. What you need? It's, not, it's not about. I'll I mean, pay you extra for your time. It's not about. I need my phone. I can't go without it. I. You don't. What kind of phone is it? We don't even have the screen for. It. I can't do this tonight. I'm you sorry. I have to do it. I cannot go without my phone. I can't. You have to fix my phone. I can't go without my phone. Like I don't have that screen. It's impossible. Well, I'll call you one. I don't care what you got to do. Get my phone fixed. Monday is the earliest. No Monday. I, I can't wait. You have to leave. I'm sorry. And no, take I'm your leaving. Surprise <laughs> ending for you there. You see it? Uh, when a Karen needs a phone, a Karen needs a phone. Tried to force the repair shop 
into fixing it, not waiting till Monday. We're closed, don't care. Ooh. And you see the one caption that was on the screen. I don't know if you caught it. Karen, you kissed me the F off. I, I think that's warranted. It's warranted. There's this sense of entitlement, Ravana. I said now. But I, I have, there's other people ahead of you. I now, me, me, me. Little toddlers, oh, I, I don't even want to put this on toddlers because they exhibit age appropriate behaviors that you have to guide them through. I don't know that I've seen, well, maybe this one kid. I don't want to say which friend. He's grown out of it now, nice young boy. Uh, but most people don't behave like this, even when they're two. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy to me how shameless these Karens are. They have no embarrassment. They go out and they exhibit these antisocial behaviors, and they don't ever reckon with the fact that they're an embarrassment to themselves. And, you know, it is that I deserve to have my phone fixed. I need my phone fixed. And I get it. You know, Karens, they need their phones on them to call the cops every five minutes. It's an important part of being a Karen is, is, Calling 911 whenever you see a person of color <laughs> within your near vicinity. But uh, to demand that this guy fix her phone, to flash her, God, that wasn't a ton of money in her hand, but to flash the yeah. money around as though when he's telling you it's not about the money, I'm closed. I can't <laughs> fix your phone. I can't do it. But Karen's don't understand that, that word no. They don't understand the term can't. They can't imagine. Uh, considering somebody else's feelings, because mm-hmm. it's all about them all the time. They're so self-interested and just plain selfish. But it is just striking to me, again, the lack of self-awareness of these, you know, male, female Karens, any type of Karen, just the ability to never consider how your actions are affecting other people. I'm not sure if we were talking about the former occupant of the White House or this this <laughs> woman who needed her phone fix. They both have the same issues though, because the rules, what you're really indicating is the rules don't apply to them. Right. And if they sense in their view that you're less than them, I don't have enough information to make the, the case here, but I suspect do what I say. And then assault. The the assault behavior at the end. Right, because if they don't get their way, you're going to pay, and it's going to be humiliation and stomping around and perhaps assault. I, what do we do with these people? We don't reward them. We don't reward them by fixing their phone or putting them back in power, do we? We don't. This next one. As a mother, uh, as a human being, I'm I'm stunned at the the low level. This is a low bar. TikTok family under fire for traumatizing kids for views. We did it for the views. Her Atlanta Black Star TikTok couple is under fire after a resurfaced video of a prank has gone viral. The video in question shows the dad waking up children to tell them about a tragic situation involving. Their mother, every child's worst nightmare. This is very important, he said. Don't cry, y'all. Y'all didn't hear the ambulance come last night? Y'all mother dead. 
children are seemingly in disbelief. The man reassures them that he will care for them. My mother's dead, one of the kids asked. Yes, she had cancer, bro. The man responded, I told her, I got y'all. What on earth? I'll tell you. She not dead, one of the children said before they burst into tears. Child tells dad to stop recording as they beg to see their mother. Look at the anguish. What's wrong with you? Seconds later, surprise. The mother hops up from behind a pile of boxes to reveal that it was a prank. She hasn't been to the hospital. Do rags on. She's home, very much alive. Dad is the only one laughing as the children are otherwise stunned into silence or still crying. The eldest daughter silently walks away after seeing her mom is very much alive. Youngest daughter still sobbing as she hugs mom, while one of the sons is also silent. Well, he's silently beside himself. He doesn't even know what to say. Video initially released last October by at no fake love underscore Lee was met with negative criticism on social media and people slammed the adults for orchestrating the prank. I cannot believe how angry I am right now, like tears in my eyes mad because why would you ever swear this feels like emotional abuse, one user reacted. Another person added, parents like this need to be thrown in jail. How's pretending to be dead, recording your kids crying funny to you? Another person said, We need to get the law involved somehow, y'all. Not gonna keep getting paid from traumatizing your kids for views. Family responded to the backlash on Thursday, ultimately downplaying the death prank and saying they're ignoring the comments. They think the prank is going to traumatize y'all later in life. Y'all think the prank harmed y'all in any type of way, the man asked. The children said it didn't. What would you say if if your dad had already acted a fool? What, What would you say? Who knows what I'll do next? If you scroll down the family's TikTok page, the content showcases their everyday life, mainly about children. It shows their private moments from phone conversations with their teachers to getting the kids ready for school. According to TMZ, family also recently received backlash for posting a video of the youngest daughter getting a Christmas gift with, quote, well, the slim tea, you know, that stuff inside, which people viewed as a dig at her weight. Videos come amid a growing conversation about children of influencer parents and how they've become more vocal about their resentment because every step of their life, heavily documented without their full consent. Remember Balloon Boy? Didn't quite follow the script and said, we did it for the show. As rescue crews were scrambling and news anchors were ad-libbing, watching this balloon. Saying, oh, we we believe a man or child rather is somewhere up there floating. When will the balloon come down? And then the kid blurted out, we did it for the show. There's all kinds of influencers, TikTokers, young, millions of dollars they're making. You, you can catch some of their shows on Hulu and other places documenting behind the scenes of their YouTube and everything else, TikTok accounts. Naturally, people want a piece of the pie, but at what cost?
It shouldn't we ask at what cost? What are you willing to do? What are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to put your children through? Here we have the answer. No fake love underscore Lee. I didn't tell you that again so that you go subscribe. Hopefully there won't be any more uploads. Rebana, what do you say? I mean, this is sickening. I lost my dad last year and it was the hardest thing I ever went through. And I was a full grown adult when it happened. The idea that you would use the death of a parent as a joke to pull a prank on little children is despicable. Nothing about it is funny. Not one aspect of this is funny. And there is a lot of growing concern and rightfully so about the rights of children whose parents exploit them online for money as in for views and for clout and it's gross and there are people making lots of money doing it and there are people making no money doing it hoping that they can and it's exploitation all the same in all the cases but there was a very there's a very, um, and I'm not trying to accuse this family of engaging the same activities, but there's a very viral family, uh, they call them mommy vloggers, right? Uh, family channel mm-hmm. on YouTube, who it turned out that she was, mm-hmm. and there were hints in the videos, but it turned out she was brutally abusing her children, mm-hmm. depriving them from food, beating them. Uh, there was accusations of sexual uh, abuse of these children, and she was arrested. But the signs were in the videos, and it does raise the question, why are we allowing people to use their kids like this? Isn't the fact that you want to, you know, have your kid (laughs) make you money from the time they're born (laughs) like this? Isn't that indication enough that something is wrong in this household to start some sort of investigation? And we do need much stronger protections for children uh, on social media generally, but you know, my state recently passed a law that puts all money that's made uh, by the like using the likeness of children in a trust for the child to get when they Love turn it. eighteen. So that's one one way we can do it. But you know, it's there's a lot of work to be done to protect these children from their parents' insanity. And when you see two parents working in concert, I just would like to think anybody's capable of having a integrity lapse, a moral lapse. But that's when you expect your partner to right. not participate and hide behind something and pop out. But to say, you know, we should probably think of a different skit, one that doesn't traumatize our kids after waking them and raising them out of bed. It's sick, it's filthy, and it is abuse. It is abuse. And in this case, Ravana, the police got involved in that other situation with the mommy bloggers. And you heard one poster here, gave the details, say, we got to get the law involved. Mm-hmm. This is abuse. And I don't blame them for this. I'm somebody who minds my own business, but not this is my business. You put it out there for the world to see, and, and we have to be good citizens and react. Um, it's outrageous. You're outrageous. And to double down and involve your kids in that, it's, the abuse continues. We'll keep following the story, see if somebody comes to their senses. This is indisputable. I'm Sharon Reed and for Dr. Rashad Ritchie. Ray Bala is our special guest co-host today. Rebel HQ, extraordinary commentator. Um, so much to offer us, much more when we come right back. This is Indisputable. I'm Sharon Reed and for Dr. Rashad Ritchie. Ray Bana joins us today, a special guest co-host. Um, let's give 
some of your comments, uh, some light, if you will. Moon Dragon, thank you for your contributions. Three hours of Slavala <laughs> and the unbeatable Sharon Reed. They want more of you. More, 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 more. Uh, Karen insisting the repair shop that was closing stay open to fix her phone. And then she just started to get violent, in my opinion. Stoneflower Dragon says, I went three days without my phone and it didn't freaking kill me. I'd enjoy the break. Okay, but Karen needs her phone probably to do whatever dirt she does, tracking people. For premise, the cell phone is the Karen service weapon. She probably didn't need it. She ceases to exist as a Karen, perhaps. She felt. We still saw she's in there. She's in there. Uh, about the TikTok family under fire for traumatizing kids for views. They said mom's dead and waited on the kids' reaction and thought, well, this would be a viral video. Adam Scott says kids will never forget that S. You're right. You're right. Harvard donor's wife caught up in plagiarism accusations. There uh, is the glamour shot. Mary Oxman, the wife of American hedge fund manager Bill Ackman, admitted to plagiarizing in her doctoral dissertation while getting her PhD from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT. We've noted the irony here. Her husband Ackman has taken a hardline stance on plagiarism. On Wednesday, responding to news that Claudine Gay is set to remain a part of Harvard's faculty. After she resigned as president, he wrote on X that Gay should be fired completely due to, quote, serious plagiarism issues. Business insider with the details. Students are forced to withdraw for much less, Ackman continued, rewarding her with a highly paid faculty position. Sets a very bad precedent for academic integrity at Harvard. What about where your wife went? Massachusetts Institute. Never mind. Ackman was one of the most vocal critics of gay, Harvard's first ever black president. And in his lengthy public tirade against gay, Ackman also accused her of anti-Semitism. In a report published by Business Insider, Oxman allegedly plagiarized multiple paragraphs of her 2010 doctoral dissertation. The report found at least one passage directly lifted from other writers without citation. The hub.news with more on it. Oxman wrote on X, formerly Twitter. I was forwarded an email this morning from a reporter at Business Insider who noted that there are four paragraphs in my 330 page PhD dissertation, material based design computation, which I completed at MIT in 2010, where I admitted quotation marks for certain work that I used. For each of the four paragraphs in question, I properly credited the original source's authors with references at the end of each of the subject paragraphs and in the detailed by bibliography, rather end pages of the dissertation. She continued, in these four paragraphs, however, I did not place the subject language in quotation marks, which would be the proper approach for crediting the work. I regret and apologize for these errors. Now. <clears throat> cases she apologized for were similar in character to some cases that the Washington Free Beacon found in Claudine Gay's academic history. Failures to use quotation marks around passages from works that were otherwise cited. It can happen, I guess. Business Insider found, however, even more instances 
a day after their first report. But a thorough review of her published work revealed that Oxman's failure to cite sources went beyond that and included multiple instances of plagiarism in which she passed off writing from other sources as her own without citing the original in any way. At least 15 passages from her 2010 MIT doctoral dissertation were lifted without any citation from Wikipedia entries. But like other academics, she also published lengthy detailed research papers, sometimes with other authors, sometimes by herself. The bulk of the plagiarism Business Insider found was in her dissertation, which runs more than 300 pages. Wikipedia wasn't the only research she cited without attribution in the paper that earned her a doctorate. In a footnote, she used 54 consecutive words without attribution from the website of the design software maker Rhino to explain what a non-uniform rational B spline is. She also used technical language from about tessellations that match language from the website Wolfram Math World, which again, she didn't cite. She plagiarized both before and after she received her PhD in 2010 of three peer reviewed papers reviewed by Business Insider. Two 2007's Get Real Towards Performance Driven Computational Geometry and 2011's Variable Proper Rapid Prototyping also contain plagiarism. Business Insider saw a comment from Ackman and Oxman. They declined via spokesperson, but after Business Insider had emailed its findings to Oxman, Ackman posted a response on X in which he promised to conduct plagiarism reviews of MIT's leadership. He's still doubling down. Now you're going to attack more people instead of there's something going on at home that you and maybe the missus should talk about before you investigate somebody else's intentions, their house. It's unfortunate that my actions to address problems in higher education have led to these attacks on my family. This experience has inspired me to save all news organizations from the trouble of doing plagiarism reviews. He wrote to his 1 million followers. He pledged to conduct a thorough review of MIT President Sally Kornbluth, all MIT faculty and board members and other officers of the MIT Corporation for Evidence of Plagiarism using MIT's plagiarism standards. Drawing a line in the sand, is. Meanwhile, the Boston Globe also uncovered emails from 2019, which showed Ackman urging MIT to keep his wife's name out of the Jeffrey Epstein scandal after dozens of celebrities were found to have ties to the convicted sexual predator and sex trafficker. Oxman gifted Epstein a sculpture after he donated 125,000 to her lab. This man will not just RIP, okay? Can you RIP and stop popping up in every story? He's, how many other stories is he gonna pop up in? He will not rest, please rest, we've had enough. Okay, but back to this uh, couple. Again, Ravana, I don't mind people doing the work and pointing out things that need to be said. But I, it always felt like he was after Claudine Gay and did not feel she was the right choice for Harvard and wanted to pile on during her worst moment. Felt like he wanted to pile on. I believe anybody can make a mistake. Now, I don't know after I read all that on the missus, if there's mistakes and then there's 
may seem willful, but who am I? Don't you want to start investigating my stuff? Go ahead. Okay. Because if you find something, I'm just going to be an open book about it. I'm just going to be an open book. Okay. But I know you won't find Epstein. You won't find him. Not around here. I've asked him to please rest and stop popping up in the stories. Ravon, I'll turn it over to you. Um, I'll first say that these two very wealthy individuals are going to make two divorce lawyers very happy in the coming weeks. Um, I said last week when we covered um, Claudine Gay's resignation that if you peer into the past of anyone who's been in academia long enough, you will find an example of them misplacing a uh, quotation mark somewhere or misattributing some citation. uh, And it could be cast as plagiarism in those cases. This isn't that. (laughs) This is a pattern of clear and horrendously inappropriate plagiarism on her behalf. Mm. And I know that she must have been so furious with her husband every step of the way because he just, if he had just kept his mouth shut, he couldn't, he was so outraged. I don't know if it's his support for Israel or his uh, racism and wanting to get rid of a, a black woman president of Harvard because it clearly wasn't his moral outrage at the idea of plagiarism considering who he married. (laughs) Not to mention the Epstein connections coming out now at a time where the uh, associates of Jeffrey Epstein are being named. It couldn't have come at a worse time for this woman. Uh, But I think it just goes to show that none of these people cared about plagiarism in the first place. The issue was never about plagiarism. And it clearly, this man specifically, does not have a leg to stand on when it comes to commenting on plagiarism. And don't we know people like this? Maybe maybe not as rich. They're on every job. They lack integrity. They pretend that they're doing the people. When, really? Look in the mirror, Fred. John, whoever, just fill in somebody that you know who behaves with a lack of integrity, okay? Makes up and stalks evidence. It's not true. And in this case, it is true, okay? But it's the wife. She's had to now go on X again and say, and it's very convoluted. When the explanation has to get that convoluted, it just goes in one ear and out the other. All we know is you had plagiarized, you did it before. And then he did it after, right? They said 2007, 2010, 2011. Well, we'll see what happens tomorrow and who will pop up because he's threatening more of this action. Can't she tell him to go relax himself, take a bath, warm bath may calm him down somewhat. And perhaps he will get this, this urge to out other people and seek revenge out of a system. Maybe hot cocoa too. I don't know. He's acting like a big baby and it's got to stop. Just my two cents. It may not work, but he should try it. Defense Secretary, what is going on with you? We do need to know. The scrutiny is growing on US Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin over his illness. Criticisms of US Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin growing after it emerged, his deputy Kathleen Hicks was unaware that he was in the hospital 
despite assuming some of his responsibilities. Hmm. I mean, there's a lot going on in the world today. She was not informed until the 4th of January that Mr. Austin was in intensive care for four days after he entered the hospital. On Sunday, a Pentagon spokesperson revealed Mr. Austin had undergone an elective medical procedure on December 22nd, returned home the next day. But he began experiencing severe pain on the evening of January 1st. Was admitted to the Walter Reed National Military Medical Center in Washington. Air Force Major General Pat Ryder said, Mr. Ryder added that the Defense Secretary's medical needs required a stay in the intensive care unit. And he then remained in that location in part due to hospitals, hospital space considerations and privacy. Uh, BBC, thank you for the details. Will you stop playing with us, please? Please stop playing these games. Mr. Austin, age 70, resumed his full duties on Friday evening, the Pentagon said. Questions are swirling around the secrecy of his medical situation. Defense Secretary sits just below the president in the chain of command for the US military. And the Pentagon's failure to disclose Mr. Austin's illness has raised concerns about a lack of transparency. For three days, senior defense officials and even the White House were not aware of Mr. Austin's hospital visit. Um, I don't know who told you that, but it's just, I wanted to giggle as I said it, but it's a serious situation. He's, he's unwell. By the way, Resume full duties. Can we lay eyes on the defense secretary live? Can we do that live? Members of both parties have expressed alarm over the secrecy of the hospital stay, but the Biden administration has so far backed Mr. Austin. President Joe Biden, who spoke with him on Saturday, has, quote, no plans for anything other than Secretary Austin to stay in the job. Well, that's a clue right there, isn't it? Isn't that a clue right there? National Security Spokesman John Kirby told reporters that on Monday, the president's number one focus is on his health and recovery. He's looking forward to having him back at the Pentagon as soon as possible, BBC News. Democratic Congressman Adam Smith, the ranking member of the House Armed Services Committee, wrote in a joint statement with a Republican colleagues that Mr. Austin must provide additional details on his health and the decision-making process that occurred in the past week as soon as possible. Some Republicans have called for Mr. Austin to be sacked. Former President Donald Trump, who didn't serve anything in the military, said the secretary should be fired immediately for improper professional conduct and dereliction of duty. That is rich. You want me to read it again or do you get it? Okay. Mr. Trump said the secretary should be fired immediately for improper professional conduct and dereliction of Duty. Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton called for consequences for this shocking breakdown. Really, Tom Cotton wants consequences. I'm sorry, I don't want to giggle because this is a serious story. Um, I want to start with Biden, if we can, Ravana. The president says that he has no plans other than for paraphrasing the defense secretary to mind his health and get right back on the job. I have a hunch that's because you did know that he was in the hospital and you chose not to tell the American people. That's really what happened. Do you think I am to believe a black man, General 
who's done nothing but follow the chain of command his entire career, has gone to war with that, suddenly decided to put on some kind of bonnet and creep into the hospital under cover of night in ICU and not tell his boss, the president. Again, we've done some stupid things in America, but America's still filled with smart people. I wish you would stop doing this mm-hmm. and putting out statements. And by the way, Rayvon, I'm gonna give it to you. But when they do get Mr. Austin in front of a congressional hearing, if he ever goes before resigning, it's not gonna bode too well. He's either going to have to lie, I this is me saying this, or tell the truth. And he can't do either one, so I don't believe he'll ever appear. Right, absolutely. Uh, there is, when you are appointed to such a high ranking position, you have to forego a level of privacy that you enjoy as a private citizen. We, as the people of America, have a right to know when someone of such high ranking status who has such an important position is unable to perform the duties of their job, we need to know. And and if that happens after someone has been quickly moved in to assume the roles of that duty to to make sure that our national security is not at risk, that's okay. But what we don't need to be is lied to. We don't need to be lied to by the Defense Department. We don't need to be lied to by the president because you, you hit the nail exactly on the head. Joe Biden, at least his administration, was well aware that he was in the hospital. To lie to us in such a manner is disrespectful. It's wrong. But speaking of disrespectful and wrong, Donald Trump making that ridiculous statement, dereliction of duty, that might as well be your middle name. Yeah. (laughs) Just to, yeah. But I mean, at the end of the day, they are accountable to us. We pay these people's salaries. Uh, we need to know. We need this information, uh, and it's totally grossly inappropriate for us to be routinely lied to, like we're stupid. And I'm getting tired of, and I perhaps it's an unfair statement because I didn't watch all of it, but I watched enough of the coverage where the media put they put little things on the screen, and they said things like, as if it was fact. The president was not notified for X amount of days. One of the things a journalist is supposed to do is is use all your senses. This doesn't pass the giggle test, duh. Uh, Stop it. And we know it doesn't pass the test because if Mr. Biden is going to allow for a chain of command to be well, he got the middle finger if we're to believe the White House's story. And nothing to see here. Well, I can't wait till he comes back. Now we know it's a lie. And we know it's pretty serious because the choice to lie, in my opinion, to the American people was made. We knew this must be a serious illness here. Something, procedure, complication. Uh, we'll keep following it. I don't believe he'll ever sit for a hearing. I don't, but we'll see. This is Indisputable. I'm Sharon Reed alongside Ravana. Much more to come. The former Capitol Police officer, right there, launching a bid for Congress. Harry Dunn, 
former officer with the US Capitol Police Department, who's been called a hero for his actions stemming from the infamous Capitol riots, announced his candidacy for Congress in part by vowing to stop the same kind of domestic terrorist whose actions on January 6, 2021 were directly influenced by Donald Trump. News one with the details here. He's running. Dunn, who was on the front lines during the Capitol attack, subsequently testified before Congress about how his January 6 experience was largely racist. He used an emotional video shared on social media to officially launch his campaign on Friday, the eve of the third anniversary of the partisan insurrection watch. On this day, my role was as a Capitol Police officer. I'm Harry Dunn, and that meant putting aside who I am, a father, a Marylander, a Democrat, because I swore an oath to protect our constitution, to protect our democracy. It's what allowed me to protect some members of Congress who I knew were bigots, who helped fan the flames that started all of this. I put country above self. The problem is, a lot of them didn't. Some of the same people who stood behind us when we protected them went back on the floor of Congress and stood behind Trump. They voted to acquit him. And worst of all, they denied the violence and trauma that led to the death of some of my fellow officers. I couldn't stand by and watch. I had another role to play. I used my voice to speak out, to get into good trouble. And a few weeks ago, I left the force after more than 15 years of service, so that today I can announce I'm running for Congress. We can't ever let this happen again. And you've heard it from Trump himself. He is hell-bent on finishing what he started this day. I'm stepping into a new role today, but I can't do it alone. I believe every one of us has a role to play in this fight. So join me. We've got a democracy to protect. Now I found myself swaying with the music. It was psychedelic in a way. It, the imagery reminded me of a haunted house, but it was all too real. We watched. We watched it, right? January 6, 2020, 2021, rather. 2020 was bad too, for other reasons. he launched a campaign for a man who bared his soul during his emotional testimony before the Congressional Committee investigating the January 6 attack on the US Capitol. In an unforgettable and equally unsurprising moment, Dunn, who is an African-American raised in Maryland's Prince George's County, testified during the summer of 2021 that, quote, no one had ever, ever called me N while wearing the uniform of a Capitol Police officer until January 6. Here is more from Dunn's testimony. I'm a law enforcement officer. And I do my best to keep politics out of my job. But in this circumstance, I responded, well, I voted for Joe Biden. Does my vote not count? Am I nobody? That prompted a torrent of racial epithets. One woman in a pink MAGA shirt yelled, 
You hear that, guys? This voted for Joe Biden. Then the crowd, perhaps around 20 people, joined in screaming, boo! No one had ever, ever called me a while wearing the uniform of a Capitol Police officer. In the days following the attempted insurrection, other black officers shared with me their own stories of racial abuse on January 6th. One officer told me he had never, and in his, his entire 40 years of life, been called a to his face, and that streak ended on January 6th. Yet another black officer later told me he had been cr confronted by insurrectionists in the Capitol who told him, put your gun down and we'll show you what kind of you really are. America, look at your life. Better look at your life. Dunn is running for Maryland's third congressional district, which has been represented by U.S. Representative John Sarbanes for the last eight terms. Sarbanes, a Democrat, is not seeking re-election, leaving an opening for Dunn to join the field of at least nine other candidates seeking the congressional seat. That includes at least seven candidates vying for the Democratic nomination. The Maryland Democratic primary is scheduled for May 14th. I don't know if he's going to win. Who's backing this courageous former Capitol Police Sergeant, I believe. But I do know he's running because of you. MAGA, coward, cowardly members of Congress who pretended as they were. Remember how we had pictures of them cowering, seeking cover as the insurrectionists were hot on their tails. And within what felt like a few minutes, maybe a day or so, oh, it did happen. It was a peaceful tour. Why were you like that? Why are you hunkered down like that? Afraid, counting on the same officers to keep you safe. You are disgraceful. And that's why Mr. Dunn is still here, still telling his truth. I guess he could run away like they did, victimized, traumatized. He could just run away and go live, retire, get the benefit and just figure something out. But he decided, okay, maybe I'll just join you. This is beautiful and necessary, Ravana, to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that it's really important that we continue to hear these accounts of what happened on January 6th because MAGA has been attempting to rewrite the history of that day since the day that it happened. They've been trying to lie about how violent it was. And as he said in that ad, uh, people died on January 6th. Police officers died on January 6th. Um, police officers and security was forced to use their weapons against an angry mob of people pushing through glass after repeated warnings. The trauma of that day is gonna stick with the people who were there. But I think it's also important to highlight that he pointed out that members of the Republican party were there and protected by him, cowering behind him in fear of what was happening. And then they use their platforms and their offices to lie about what happened, mm -hmm. to attack people like him who put themselves between the angry mob and those politicians to protect them uh, and to 
continue to lie about that it wasn't violent or if it was violent then it was antifa and not trump supporters or uh you know now their new line is that the people who were held accountable who are in prison for the events of that day that they're hostages that they're political prisoners and i can see how that would be extremely motivating to to do something meaningful with that experience mm-hmm. for someone like this former officer who saw that happen before him and is now using that trauma to you run for office to try to make a difference and you know like you said don't know if he's going to win but he's got a great <laughs> jumping off point and you know yeah. got got to a lot of attention while he was speaking on what he went through that day that'll probably help him at, uh, during the campaign maybe i'll move to maryland just so i can cast my vote is it too late But you're right. He deserves to be here and speak out as much as he wants. I remember Eugene Goodman. Remember how he lured those pigs who were inside the Capitol hunting Mm -hmm. Romney, hunting Pence and others, Pelosi. He lured them away. And all he had was his baton, his radio. He didn't shoot anybody, didn't use a stun gun or anything. He just lured them away. And you are so ungrateful. It's sick. I hope people remember that when they go to the poll. Jonathan Majors speaking out on GMA about his conviction. Give you the highlights from the interview. Your reaction to that verdict? Shock. Hmm. How, how How is that possible? based off the evidence, based off the prosecution's evidence, let alone our evidence. How is that possible? If you watch those videos and you reverse that, and you saw a black man chasing a young white girl down the street, screaming and crying, that man is gonna be shot and killed in the streets of New York City. Major's defense team shared these photos, which he says show the injuries he received that night, which were deemed inadmissible in court. She says inside the car, you hit her in the face, twist her arm behind her back, fracture her middle finger. Yeah, that did not happen. How did those injuries come about? I, I wish to God I knew. You feel you're not responsible for her injuries at all? I shouldn't have been in the car. I shouldn't have stepped out of the relationship. I shouldn't have been in the relationship. I don't know that he answered that last question, I'll be honest with you. Uh, but Majors did say say a lot, if you will. He was asked about comparing his love interest to Coretta Scott King and former First Lady Michelle Obama. People were saying, well, why was he telling this woman to be like Coretta Scott King and, and Michelle Obama? It was me trying to give an analogy of of what it is I'm aspiring to be. You know, these great men, Martin, President Obama, um, and trying to give a reference point to that. One of the things I also say is like, I need her, in that case Grace, to make the same sacrifices that I am making. Through it all, Major's new girlfriend, actress Megan Good, has remained by his side, even present for our interview. How would you describe your relationship? Well, she's an angel. She's held me down like 
Dr. Michael Carrera, you know? I'm so blessed to have her, you know? The relationship is still fresh, but, you know, I think I, I found her. I want, I'm going to ask you again to leave Coretta Scott King alone. Do not keep bringing her up. We are, it's January. That's the reason enough. I need you to stop. And I would, you know, the King family has lawyers and things that I'm not suggesting anybody gets to, but we'll get back to the things that he said other than this. But I, I need you to stop on behalf of the, well, just stop it. Uh, majors comparing Megan Good to Coretta Scott King in the lead up to MLK Day withdrawal. The ire of social media. Who are the PR people who prepare these people for these sit down interviews? Users online would use various meme reactions. There's Nene. Brittany Williams says, Coretta Scott King looking down from heaven this morning like, now why am I in it? And I have the same reaction. And that sounds like Nene. She'd be right. Juju offer the black community every time Jonathan Majors brings up Coretta Scott King's name. Yeah. Seen from Do the Right Thing, right? Oh, you gotta stop. You gotta stop. And then there's, well, this one. Jonathan Majors, Megan Good helped me down like Coretta Scott King. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I was gonna mention Dr. King, but I decided against it. But you see that, yeah, you remember what Will said? That was ill-advised. And poor Lapita was like, what, what's going on? Is this part of the show? Is it a skit? At any rate, Jonathan Majors, I, I don't think that was his finest interview. I don't, I think what happened to him is just a disaster. And I don't even, I don't wanna say who's disaster, what, who's, it's a disaster. And this interview furthered the disaster, Ravana. And his answer to why he raised Coretta Scott King and former First Lady Michelle Obama, when they go low, we go high, was ridiculous. The woman he was speaking to perhaps did not have the contextual, she didn't have the ability, apparently. He could have easier, easier for him to raise. Sharon Osborne and Aussie and their loyalty to one another. Someone else. But this is offensive. And I think if he intended to get something out of this interview to restore his public image in some way or begin to repair it, it was uh, obstructed by, we can't stop talking about Coretta and Michelle and why he's mentioning them. It was a very bizarre mess. Yeah of an interview. And I can't help but maybe be a little bit of a conspiracist, but he was involved in the Marvel franchise, Mm -hmm. had a lot in the works with Disney, and Mm -hmm. Disney owns ABC. Mm -hmm. Who did this interview but ABC? And so maybe I'm being a little bit imaginative, but I can't help but think it was Disney trying to save face over all that they had invested in this man before Things got ugly. And, you know, it's, 
I can understand why he would want to do it because he mm -hmm. thought he could make himself look good. But he just came out looking worse and worse as the interview continued. He wasn't able to stop engaging in his bizarre behavior and it felt fake. Yeah, it felt it fake because he says he doesn't know how the woman got those injuries. A court of law was able to determine how she got those injuries and they put the blame on you. You think that by then he would have had a better more prepared answer than that, especially given all of the allegations that have now been levied against him and the write-ups that have been done investigating that. I know that there's an investigation going on for a different instance of abuse in New York. You know, it's just embarrassing. It's embarrassing mm -hmm. and to, you know, he compared not, you know, he didn't just ask them to behave like Coretta Scott King or Michelle Obama. He compared himself to Barack Obama and to Martin Luther King Jr. Oh and yeah, moving, especially right before yes. MLK Day, but you know, any day, it's it's an inappropriate. It's, maybe it's not for me to that. say, but I mean, it's a it, it's inappropriate. It's an inappropriate comparison. And 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 mind you, this is a man who has gotten some support from. Aspects and, and certain groups within a community who thinks the justice system, rightfully so, is not fair. It's lopsided. And when you have a, a white reported victim and a black <laughs> accused, they're not going to get a fair shake, the black man. So he had he had that there. I love Megan Good. I think she's adorable. I think she's talented. I didn't need to see her with a ponytail uh, looking off. Like, you know, when the soap operas go to commercial and there's that dramatic. It's as dramatic as they go out to hold the scene there and hold, hold the drama, hold the drama. You're right. They they may be madly in love. They may be supported. They may be soulmates. But yeah. I, like you, found it to be orchestrated and fake. And again, I have to ask, who prepared these these people for this interview? Right. Who? You got to go. Nope. You're done. We're done here. Uh. Ravana, tell people where they can get more of your work. Yeah. On another day. We won't, we're not gonna hold you for one more show today. And again, <laughs> we appreciate you. But in the meantime, just to hold them over. Right. So, well, first of all, pleasure as always. Great seeing you. Great way to start my week. Uh, but, but everyone can follow me, Ravana TTV on Twitter. You can see all of my Rebel HQ videos on YouTube and Facebook. I'll have a new one out probably tomorrow because. I've put in a shift she's today. So she's I think she's quite busy if we can get an extension on that, but she's around. She's <laughs> always here when we need her. Ravana, thank you. And thank you, Dr. Ritchie, for allowing us to, to fill the seat for you. Can't wait till you're back. And uh, we always appreciate you from the indisputable team. We hope you will continue to support. Until next time. Mm -hmm.